the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line brawl to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morasky teeing off on one another. And Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. Right, right. He's not that Ripson. He's just lost. Still Grimson. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnie Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. A sheer standard by a big left hand by Wade Bielek. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Scores! Bugard down the wing. Bugard bombs away. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 21 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do that. Today's guest is one guy who uh, actually he he made the podcast art for the uh, the cover art that you see. You know, so you got Morasty and uh, Skeo and Pete and Stock going at it. And that's none other than Shane Guilfoyle with the History of Hockey podcast. I know I've mentioned him on here before, and we actually, uh, we, we the way we did it was we kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, we kind of, what, what do you call it, a swap cast, I guess. It's, I don't even know it had a name. But basically, we record the same episode and then end up releasing it on, uh, like, my my podcast and his podcast. And uh, so today's a little, little bit of a history lesson, like we mentioned, and it's, you know, we kind of go over the history of fighting in hockey. So I thought it's only fitting to do the history of fighting in the game of hockey with the history of hockey podcast. So um, had a lot of fun doing this. We sat there, I had my whiskey going and he was, um, I believe he had a couple beers in him too. So it was a good time. And hey, actually, you'd be surprised. I don't think I swore one time in this because of course, Shane's podcast, if you actually go over and listen to the history of hockey podcast, it is a very well done professional podcast and there's minimal to no swearing. So um, I don't think I cursed one time, so <laughs> we made it happen. Um, and I think I've gotten better too, as far as not swearing, um, as much. And, you know, maybe it was just because, you know, kind of in the earlier episodes, a little bit more nervous and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it co- gets more comfortable with time, I guess you could say. Um, so no, I had a lot of fun doing this and it was great. And, uh, it's kind of good to get back into the podcasting realm a little bit. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, I believe I mentioned in the last intro, but um, just to give a little background for if you're just now tuning in, um, you know, with everything going on with the coronavirus scare and everything like that, we had to postpone the wedding. So leading up to that, we were getting ready for the wedding. I actually was supposed to be married um, next week, as a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, but it got postponed till January. But leading up to that, I was supposed to, we were just wedding planning and, um, you know, I was supposed to do a lot of stuff and, you know, help everything, you know, kind of come together with the fiance. But unfortunately, like I said, with the coronavirus going on, we weren't able to make it happen, but it is what it is. So, um, I was able to kind of get back and get, uh, get the groove going again. And I've already had, let's see, I had Shane and then I had three other guests on. I had, uh, 
Kevin Killer Kaminsky. That's a good one, and I feel bad because I didn't have his minor league fight card. And then, of course, you know, the OG Enforcer podcast, uh, Fourth Line Voice, has it, so he was able to send it to me. And, um, you know, Kaminsky already said he'd come back on, and he'll, uh, you know, give us round two with him uh, him and his career in the minors. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that interview, and um, it might be a little bit noisy in the background and stuff, uh, and I'll, I'll, of course, I'll address that in the intro, because uh, be, that'll be next episode. I might even, I might even release that tomorrow or maybe, maybe Saturday, and so uh, I recorded that episode at my, uh, the in-laws' house. Oh, I call them my in-laws. Technically, they're not my in-laws yet, of course. They were supposed to be my in-laws next week, but uh, no, pretty my in-laws' house. Uh, I was really trying to record a podcast and get a guest on and it just worked out that Kaminsky was able to come on that night so uh, he was very busy of course coaching and GM and his team and the uh, the SJ who was just named coach of the year for us. so again congratulations to him and we talk about that a little bit and um, yeah so the, the time was right and I just I uh, I didn't want to wait and so it, on my part maybe the quality lacked so I do apologize for that but you know everything was good with Kaminsky and he was awesome so Definitely got to get him on for round two, and then, and for those listening with the uh, Enforcer Appreciation Group, appreci appreciation group. Um, it's my. I've noticed I talk a little funny with the headphones on. My S's sound like I'm like I almost have like a speech impediment, but it's just because I can't kind of hear myself talk. So I guess I don't enunciate, and then uh, I talk a little fast. It's just how I am. But uh, no, so I had Pat Barton on from the Enforcer Appreciation Group, and. If you're listening or if you, uh, you know, found the podcast from that group, you know how much he contributes to it. And we went on for, you know, four and a half hours. So it was a, that was a good one. And, you know, a lot of fun talking to him. And he talks about juniors and playing with guys like Bon V and uh, Eric Cairns and playing against Chris Simon. And just goes through the minor leagues and really lays it all out of the tough guys and everything he played with. And so uh, even a couple of his fights, too. So it was awesome. Um had a great time doing that. And then I also interviewed Brian Rasmussen, um, or Rasmussen, however you want to say it. I know he says he gets it both ways. Um, he said Rasmussen, Rasmussen, I say Rasmussen. So, um, no, so that was awesome, too. He was um, he was actually referred to me by Dean Mayrand, so we got uh, well, the machine to thank for that one because, uh, yeah, R Rasmussen was awesome. Brian goes into detail about a lot of stuff and uh, his time in the minor leagues and really – a bunch of different stories, whether it be playing against Dave Schultz or excuse me, playing under Dave Schultz as far as uh, Schultz being the bench boss there and what it's like to play under the hammer and, you know, going to the L&H and just shares a lot. It's, it's just a, a great inside look into minor league hockey, and I love it. Um, and he talks about, of course, fighting Donald Brashear out in the L&H and a couple other fights he's been in. So, uh, no, it's been great. It's been good getting back in the groove a little bit here. Like I said, it was uh, – a little tough for a while. I just couldn't, I didn't have the time to, uh, we were doing so much stuff. And then of course the brother-in-law got back from Iraq, um, safe, thankfully. So, uh, we were out celebrating a lot and, you know, just you know, living life. I don't get paid for this again. And do I want to get paid for it? Yeah, that'd probably be pretty cool <laughs> if I could quit my day job and do this, but, um, you know, no, it's all in good fun. So, uh, when I have time, I have time. And when I don't, I don't, unfortunately, but Lately, I've had a had a good amount of time on my hands, so been able to get a lot of guests on, and hopefully get a couple more on the uh, on the pod in the future. I got another another couple um, guests who said they'd want to come on. I don't like to announce anybody until I actually get them on the podcast because I don't want to, you know, 
false promises made or something like that. And somebody, oh, I thought you said you were getting so-and-so on. And uh, it doesn't end up happening. So and until I actually record with them, I never say who the uh, the guests are that's coming on. But, um, you know, anyways, I can't thank Shane enough. We had a great time talking about the uh, the history of fighting in hockey. And uh, he mentioned it in his intro. And, of course, you, you guys who listen, you know me, and I get kind of riled up talking about certain parts of uh fighting in the game and i think he was right the longer we go on them like just the matter and matter we get <laughs> at how shit has gone and just kind of why it's gone that way you're like the new age fan so um it's kind of funny you could hear both of us just kind of getting more and more pissed off as the as the episode goes on but um no i had a great time and shane i can't thank you enough for you know doing the swap cast idea. Cause I never would have even thought about that. Um, I had messaged him one day cause I was just trying to think of something to do. I could, I didn't quite have the time to get a player guest on. So I said, um, you know, maybe I can get one of the boys on and sure enough, Shane was willing. And, um, he liked the idea of doing the fight podcast or like the fight history podcast. And then, uh, he came up with the, I guess this, like I said, the swap cast idea and it turned out pretty good. So, you know, um, I had a great time doing it and it was awesome. And, I uh, can't thank him enough for, again, let me come on to his very professional show. You know, my my dumbass on there <laughs> after he's talking all professional and proper and <clears throat> my dumbass is on there just spewing garbage. So, uh, no, I, you know, it was awesome and I had a good time. So, um, well, I, that's pretty much it. You know, again, I like to keep these under 10 minutes. I don't like to yap for too long. So uh, do me a favor, though. Just go check out these podcasts. Uh, you know, we're we're the little fish in the big pond here. So it's, I think it's always good to support the other podcasts out there. So definitely go check out, <clears throat> excuse me, boy, I don't know what the hell it is. Get a lot of phlegm today, I guess. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's not the Rona. Um, no. So go check out, uh, Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box with Joe Lazito. He just had on, uh, Kevin Kerr. Uh, was it Kevin Kerr? No, it wasn't Kevin Kerr. Fuck. It was, um, why can't I think of it? Why did I say Kevin Kerr? That wasn't it at all. It's Kerry Clark. <laughs> I don't know why I said Kevin Kerr. I think it was because I just scrolled past that uh, like probably about an hour ago. I don't know why it made me think of Kevin Kerr. Um, no, he had Kerry Clark on, and that was awesome. And he just had uh, 20 questions with uh, Dean Ewan as well. So uh, Joe's doing great things over there. And he follows uh, the Enforcers, but it's all specifically Islanders-based Enforcers or uh, like their farm clubs. So definitely go check him out. And then, of course, you have William over at the Biscuit, who I was just on an episode not too long ago with him. And, uh, you know, William's doing great things over there still. Probably the most consistent podcaster I've ever seen. And props to him because I can, you know, I I like to say I'm consistent. But uh, like I said, the past month and a half or so, I've been a little shaky, whether uh, trying to get an episode out every two weeks. I think I've gotten one out. Uh, It took me almost a month to get the episode out with John Searson. So that was my bad, boys. But uh, and then. I would say the fourth line voice, but um, it's kind of up in the air right now. Unfortunately, his site crashed, and you know I know Darren uh, is kind of ups- I would say upset about it, but it's it's, it's a it's a lot of work to do um, to re-upload all the episodes for the podcast. Man, it is it's a lot of work when you're doing this as just kind of like a fan and uh, you know not really being professionally paid or it's not your day job, I guess you could say. Um, it's a lot of effort, man, and you know we all have lives to live, so I understand exactly why he wouldn't want to uh you know get it back up again it's pretty hard to and it's uh you know it can be frustrating at times getting guests i know firsthand how frustrating it could be and that was one of the first things he told me he's like you know uh it's going to be the biggest love hate thing you'll ever do and one of the most frustrating things and you know it it is sometimes it's really hard to get guests on and 
you just want to say fuck it and you know throw it all out in the fucking garbage but um at the end of the day when you can get kind of messages from guys like oh what a great episode love what you're doing uh, you know it makes it all a little bit worth it i guess so um no hopefully Derek can get his show back up though or a fourth line voice uh, it's uh it's a shame because he has a lot of he had a lot of awesome interviews on there and you know without him i don't even think this podcast would exist so uh you know hopefully darren you're listening and hopefully you get your show back up man and uh, and, you know, I know you and I have bullshitted back and forth a bit uh, privately. So, um, you know, hopefully if there's any more info, we'll, we'll go on about it. So, um, but in the meantime, what you can do with Fourth Line Voice is definitely check out his YouTube channel. Uh, he actually just uploaded, finally, it was the fucking holy grail. It was like the lost arc. <laughs> um, the Tony Twist versus Link Gates fight. And so from what I've heard, they only fought three times they fought twice in junior and then one in the uh the ihl and the one in the ihl was only talked about in like an old magazine i think it was i can't remember if it was a tough guy magazine or what it was but uh twister talked about it when he fought gates and he dropped him and uh you it was only talked about so you'd never seen footage of it and darren had had it and he lost it and then he got it back finally and then it was like the most cursed uh dvd you could possibly find because he finally tracked it back down, or his buddy who had it did, and then he shipped it. Gets lost in the mail somehow, <laughs> and uh, has to wait another month and a half, two months, because his, uh, his buddy's a coach somewhere as well, I believe. So, um, of course, his buddy's uh, busy as well, and everybody, like I said, we all have lives. And <laughs> he finally gets it back, so go check that footage out. It's, called, it's just look up a Link Gates versus Tony Twist. It'll probably be on there. Or just go to his YouTube channel. It's still pretty fresh in his feed, I believe. So you probably have to do a little, maybe a tiny bit of scroll in there and you'll be able to find it. But uh, yeah, Twister, Twister pops him with a good one. He, uh, I can't remember. It might have been, it might have even been a left hand, but he plants one on, on Gates and you, you see Gates. There he is. He goes down. So um, no, awesome that he got that footage. So definitely go check out his YouTube channel. And um, one last podcast I want to shout out. Uh, besides, of course, you know, the history of hockey, go check him out. That's the whole point of us doing this. Um, but it's the Bucket Drop podcast, and uh, it's run by Bobby Longgrass, and he does a pretty good job. And he just actually had Darren from Fourth Line Voice on, and he's had a couple guys on, like Dean Mayer. And um, it's not enforcer specific, but uh, you know, he does have a good, it's like kind of like William. It's not really enforcer specific, but you know, it, it gravitates towards the tough guys. And so, uh, oh, Bobby's done a good job over there. and uh, he's had Scrooby St. Louis and Dean Mayrand, and um, I think he had Morasti on as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely go check that out. And, of course, go follow the uh, the, the page on Facebook and Twitter. So, uh, Twitter is going to be at 5, the number 5, and then 4 Fighting Pod. And then go on Instagram, it's just type in 5 for Fighting Pod. It's there. And then, of course, the Facebook page, just 5 for Fighting Podcast. And last but not least, go check out the name of the group, uh, Enforcer Appreciation. I just changed the name of the group to kind of... Uh, you know, maybe not let as much jackassery in there, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Because when people see uh, best enforcers in hockey fights, they just want to spew their fucking garbage, I guess. So uh, we're almost up to 10,000 members now, and a lot of people like the name change and kind of the idea around it. So um, definitely go just send a join request and you're in. It's We have a lot of former players in there. I can't even begin to tell you who all is in there. That's how, that's how I got Pat Barton on. And, uh, you know, he's posting in there daily. Hell, I, I don't even have to post in there anymore. The group almost runs itself, and it's pretty nice. So definitely go check that out if you want to get your fix of hockey fights and fight discussion and, uh, you know, fight pictures of enforcers, everything like that. Um, 
But anyways, that's it for me, guys. I will uh, get out of your hair here. I went over my little allotted time I like to give myself, but I just wanted to address a couple things anyways. But um, anyways, here we go. Sit down, grab out your uh, your textbooks, take some notes down, and travel through the history of hockey and all about the fisticuffs with me and Shane Guilfoyle. This should be good. This should be very good. All right. In today's episode, uh, we're doing a little something a little bit different here on the Five for Fighting show, and I guess it would be the History of Hockey podcast over there with Shane Guilfoyle. We're uh, gathering everybody in a school circle, and we're going to teach everybody a little little lesson on the history of fighting in hockey um and so what better person to talk about this with than the person who runs the history of hockey podcast um and of course that is shane shane how you doing today man good sir and yourself oh fantastic um it's funny a little change change of pace here on uh on shows a little bit um so i think it'll be i think it'll be a good time getting everything going here yeah definitely i'm i'm excited we've been trying to make this happen for a number of weeks I think I was sick and then you were you were busy and then we kind of squeezed this in at the last minute tonight so we finally made it happen exactly yeah we've uh I mean I've been busy all over the place I haven't even had time to hardly even interview players let alone <laughs> let alone getting on with just one of the boys so yeah um, yeah no, it's good it's good though um well I guess we'll just start from the beginning here so you know, you've done your research and everything like that for many episodes that you have. I mean, you've covered hockey from the 1800s, uh, the early 1900s, uh, things like that. So do you happen to notice that, you know, f- fighting has kind of always been in hockey? Um, yeah, uh, and and it has been. And any really, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into this uh too early but you know the the new age fan now who says that it has no place in hockey clearly has not even bothered to look at the history of it because it truly has always been a part of the game and the kind of the the famous uh the 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 famous hook i guess that everybody hangs their fighting hat on is the first game in Montreal in 1875. And I can come back to that in a minute, but fighting goes back even farther than that. Um, we actually have record of, um, of pond hockey fights way back in the, um, early 1800s, 1700s, 1600s. Like I, I have records of these things on my computer. And if we had more time, I could, I could get into them. But um, it, it was so crazy back then that, that people would actually be put on trial for getting in fights, <laughs> like legal trials and, and jailed uh, in, in some cases. Um, but like I said, the, the real famous one that, that everybody kind of gravitates toward is the, the, the first kind of modern hockey game uh, in, in 1875 in Montreal. And that, that game ended in an all-out brawl. And I'm, I'm not talking like a slap fight where somebody's honor gets you know, 
damaged or somebody's insulted or something like that. It, it was an all-out brawl to the point where spectators were involved and benches were being broken and there there were reports in the newspapers the next day about how uh, women were sent screaming from the arena. <laughs> like, it was... I. Uh, I always say that I wish I could travel back in time and see these old games. And that that's definitely one that I would want to see because the descriptions of it that I have read are just madness, (laughs) but it, but again, you know, it's, it's clear proof that it's, it's always, it's always been there. Right. And well, people always wonder, Oh, well, I shouldn't say wonder. They'll always say, you know, Oh, well, this doesn't happen in football. This doesn't happen in soccer. Well, it's a completely different element. And that's, you know, you'd think them being a hockey fan, they would understand. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you'd think they'd understand that hockey is a different animal as to why a fight would happen and why why it doesn't happen in other sports. So, you know, it's like you said, it's been around since its inception. And not only just the the Montreal game when it was organized, this was happening on ponds and you know, way back into the 17th century. So it's just, um, it's that, it's the atmosphere. It's such a, it's such a fast game. It's on ice and you have a literally a club in your hand. So it's always been around because there's stuff that goes unnoticed, whether, you know, of course on the ponds, it's probably a little bit different. That's <laughs> probably just two guys getting pissed off at each other and they end up going. But of course in the organized manner, we'll just, we'll stick with that. You have guys you know, you go into the corners and you guys got or you got guys butt ending each other, cross checking, uh, you know, a quick elbow to the back. And the refs don't notice it because it's such a fast game. It's a such a higher velocity game compared to, say, soccer or football. So you always see you've always seen fighting in there because you're not going to wait till an official. Oh, ref, he did it. He did it. You're not going to wait till that happens. You're going to get mad that you just got, you know cross-checked or punched whatever and he dropped the gloves and so it's always literally been in the game and the argument for people to say you know oh well the rover was a part of the game at one time and they got rid of it or oh players didn't wear helmets at one time and they got they made a rule for it that's it's a completely different animal with fighting because there's there's a whole other entire i won't say rule book or the code i hate that term um but just kind of an aura around it as to why it actually happens so it's like you said, it's always been a part of the game and you're not going to wait for an official. So they actually, of course, ended up making a rule for it uh, by this time in 1922. And it was, of course, called fisticuffs. Um, but it isn't that's not a part of the rule book anymore as fisticuffs. Now it's called fighting. But like you said, it's it's literally been around since its inception. So for people to like, I feel like people just don't understand it or some people don't dive into it deep enough as to understand why a fight happens. Yeah, I I think I think it's that people they they don't I don't know either they don't know how to look into it or they don't want to take the time to look into it. Um, but like you said, it's it's always been there. They you know they they might make the argument that it it's not there in in football or whatever. But if you watch games from like the seventies, those guys were pretty much fighting. I oh, mean, yeah. they, they, 
I, I've seen some, um, you know, I'm not old enough to have seen uh, games live back then, but like Oakland Raiders footage, I mean, those guys used to just kill each other. And, uh, you know, of course, that's that's changed now, and it's all just shoving matches, which is unfortunately the same way hockey is going. But um, like you said, it, it's it's really more people who just don't, for whatever reason, by you know, by choice or whatever that, that they just don't understand that it's been in the game way longer than it hasn't been in the game. Right. Exactly. And it's, you know, and it's, it's less and less in today's hockey, of course. And, you know, numbers can show that and different players you'll be able to tell (laughs) you, you can tell they're not masters at at their craft like they used to be, of course. So, you know, it's unfortunate that it's gone that way, but you know, I think it's important that we have this episode to kind of give a, give a little bit of a history lesson and um, you know, it's kind of teach people, I guess, why it was so important or why it was such a vital role. Um, So, I mean, with that being said, I guess we could start getting into the very first, uh, well, because you know, you look at hockey and you know, Everybody knows the term enforcer now, but enforcers weren't always a part of hockey. So you kind of kind of look back at what was who was the first enforcer? When did that term kind of start getting used? And, you know, you look at Ice Guardians. And from what I can tell from doing my research, you know, my lovely Internet research (laughs) um, from what I can tell, it's always been John Ferguson. And he was literally brought in to protect Jean Beliveau because it's. Hockey was a frontier atmosphere back in the day, and it's it's not like that anymore per se. It's still high um, high emotion and you know high risk and everything like that. But back then, when stuff would really go unnoticed or it was a little bit more rough, um, you needed to protect the star players. And I mean, of course, now you see star players aren't protected, and well, look what happens. But you know that's a whole different animal we'll get into later. But, you know, going back, it, it seems like the very first enforcer, from what I can tell, was John Ferguson. And I believe his first year was 1963, from what I can tell, um, when he was with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so he's regarded as kind of the first one, and he was that first player to really specialize in the role. Um, I'm not sure if you have anything on John Ferguson, but and he was actually a pretty pretty good hockey player, too. He was kind of a the pro before Probert because he was also on the all-star team and everything like that. So I think it's pretty cool that, you know, they brought in a guy and he ended up potting a few goals for him too. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it, you know, kind of like you said before guys, I mean, before guys like Ferguson, before Ferguson himself, it was, it was those guys who had, they were they were mostly skill, but they were they could look out for themselves, um, and and they they kind of fought their own battles, but but yeah, Ferguson was the first guy who was brought in with the express purpose of kicking ass, taking names, and looking after fellow teammates. And, um, and yeah, I mean, he, he was with his, uh, his Canadians for the, his whole career and, um, and, and he, it, it's not like, like we think of an enforcer by today's standards or the standards of a few years ago and they didn't play a great deal, but like, if you look at Ferguson's 
numbers, he played a lot of games. Oh, like, for sure. He was always, you know, he. I, I'm looking um, at his games right now, um, starting uh, in in '63 is his first year in the NHL. Um, he's got 59 games, 69, 65, 67, 61, 71, 48, and 60, and so he's he's not he's he's actually doing something he's not just collecting a paycheck and then uh, and and to your other point about how he's doing more than just fighting he's not just taking a spot up on the bench where maybe he's only playing two minutes a night like he's going out just to get into a fight like he actually had some some real skill you know in 63 he had uh 45 points uh and then that goes on to 44 25 42 33 52 is his high water mark in 68 69 and um 32 and 30 so while they brought him in to fight they they kind of got lucky in that he was able to um to put some points up too while he was protecting his teammates and and made that team even that much better. Right. Yeah. Win a couple Stanley Cups while you're at it, eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, a couple. Yeah, they, just a couple. They had a couple during that time. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you got to be a, kind of a big deal if you're brought in to uh, protect Jean Velivo. So you got you got right. that going for you, Fergie. Um, but like you said, with the whole, uh, he wasn't there just to kind of collect a paycheck and fight. I mean, he could still play the game. And. You know, it was you didn't really. You, there was, like you said, there was guys willing to fight, and they were more so skilled guys. There weren't particularly just enforcers out there. Um, it was pretty much Ferguson as the pioneer, but he could still put up points. And it wasn't until a little thing called expansion happened, and the NHL decided to add a couple more teams. And well, they they added one, uh, maybe known as the Philadelphia Flyers, if anybody's ever heard of them. And <laughs> they they kind of went overboard with it a little bit. And they realized, and here's here's where fighting you you realize it can start to get specialized, I think. And this was this is where fighting started to evolve. It wasn't just two guys getting pissed off at a missed call, and you know they just drop the gloves and have fisticuffs per se. Um, this was where it it became, uh, well maybe you know we could intimidate them, and it was because of course uh, with the St. Louis Blues and the Philadelphia Flyers, a brawl went had broken out between them. Um, one game, and Ed Snyder, the owner of the Flyers, got to watch the Blues just beat the living hell out of out of the Flyers. And after that, he basically said, I will, "I'm not standing for this. You'll never see a Flyers team get beat up again." And with expansion, there's a couple of things that play a role with that. So you expand the league, but you don't necessarily have um like the the same amount of goal scores, the the same amount of talent. We'll say. So you got to kind of add a couple couple guys, and you got to know the ex- like expansion was not like what it is today, where the Knights were able to go on that historic run. That that will that's today. That would never happened back in the day. If if you were an expansion team, you were expected to pretty much just flop for like three or four years. Um, so basically, after that happened, and because you know the Blues were an expansion team as well, Ed Snyder had said, you know what, we're gonna do something different here. We're gonna. We're never going to let that happen again. And he decided to bring in what is known as the Broad Street Bullies. And that's when 
to me anyways, like I had stated before, that's when fighting kind of started to evolve. You realized it could be, it was, you could use it as more than just two guys getting mad at each other. You could use it as intimidation and intimidation uh, is a huge, huge factor in the game of hockey. Well, so it was, I should say, um, you know, I think it still is today a little bit, but you get shades of it here and there. But back in the day when it was more so, it was, uh, I would say more tolerated uh, for lack of better words, but you used intimidation. And so they brought in guys like Dave Schultz, Bobby Clark, who could also, uh, again, like John Ferguson score, but he also wasn't afraid to get in the corners. Dornhofer, DuPont, Bob Battleship Kelly. You're bringing in all these guys, and, I mean, they're going in and just causing hell and literally took over the league by storm. I mean, that roster just that roster was something else. That Those are just the guys I named. There was a couple more on there. But just adding all that up, those, uh, let's see, was that five guys? Had 932 penalty minutes in one season, and that's just those five guys. That's not even the, the team. That's just those right, right. five. <laughs> So yeah. they literally come in and they just come in like a tornado and say, you know what, it, you know, go ahead, you know, beat us on the scoreboard if you really want to. But are you really going to pot that extra goal? Like you see now where you, you get guys that are running up the score five to one. I don't think you saw that many uh, five to one games back then. Or if you did, there would be retribution for it. And people literally got something that was known as the Philly flu where, you know, they they come down and. You look at the the other team, of course, it's not like the internet where you can look up who's playing, but the other team gets the roster and they go through and you know, Schultz and DuPont and Bob Kelly, oh, gee, coach, I'm not feeling too good this game, you know, oh, I wonder why that is. So those were the guys who really took the league by storm, and that was where enforcers became pretty much um, like a necessity in the league. It wasn't just like where you got the onesies and twosies like Ferguson. They literally and well, they won two Stanley Cups doing it. So the whole league was like, well, the, if they're winning cups, we got to do something about it. So to me, that was the the turning point of the enforcer f- that would literally last up until the two thousands. Yeah, and and what I love about the Flyers story is that they how they they took the idea of not wanting to be pushed around, which, as you said, stemmed from a brawl with the St. Louis Blues where they they got the crap kicked out of them. And, and uh, you know, Ed Snyder, you know, said never again. What I love about that is is they they took that and they went from being pushed around to. Pardon the pun, but bullying their way to a Stanley Cup. <laughs> they went all know? in, literally. And, they wasn't. They just dipped their toe and they went into the deep end. <laughs> right. I mean, they they just they jumped off full like full in both feet, um, and and they won back to back cups and went to a third one their third year and. They legitimately had hockey purists absolutely terrified. They're like, oh, my gosh, here is this this expansion team, this team that's supposed to be a bunch of nobodies who have already won two Stanley Cups in a row. And what on earth are we going to do if if they win a third one in a row, like we have to refer to them now as a dynasty. And like they, people were not okay with that. Like 
they were genuinely upset by the idea that they would have been knocking on the door of a dynasty. And, um, you know, and it just so happened that they didn't win, but I, I still love that they were able to, to fight their way and accomplish what they did. Um, because it just, I feel like it really broke open an entirely new era of, of hockey. It really did. And you're a hundred percent right. Um, yeah. Hockey purist, man. Uh, they, I, I like, I forget which, I think it might've been, there's uh, the HBO documentary literally on the broad street bullies and you hear Dave Schultz talk about it. And literally like the papers would like of opposing teams, like the newspaper in the local city would be like, hide the women and children. The flyers are coming to town. Like literally like headlines and just everybody. I, I think I, I posted a picture. I'm not sure if it was on Twitter or not, but literally, you know, just, Everybody hated the Flyers, and I, I think that's honestly part of the reason the Flyers get so much hate today. Well, other than their fans, of course, um, is well, <laughs> it's Flyers fans, but right. Um, <laughs> that's I think that's part of the reason that they're <clears throat> excuse me they're so so hated today for you know <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, so you literally see like the picture was like Schultz is a bomb, and just everybody just hated them. So, and like you said, they really, they really did open up an entire new, I guess, can of worms for hockey enforcers and, and just hockey in general. It completely changed the game because from then on, you, then you started getting the big, bad Bruins. And then of course you had like Terry O'Reilly and uh, Jonathan and guys like that coming in. And so pretty much it, it became that pack fighting kind of mentality where it was, um, you know, there's not just one guy on the bench. If you want to play stupid or run up the score, there's, there's four of us or five of us sitting here. And that's where we kind of talked about the guys who, uh, would get, you know, kind of paid just to fight at that point. Yes. Cause there was such an overabundance of toughness. You would see those, those two to three minute of the game guys who were literally there for one shift, one reason brought up. And then as soon as that game was over and after they just got their five minutes for fighting, they, you know, they were done for the rest of the game, never see another shift. Um, so that's where that kind of came into play. And that's, I think right around then is where the term, I hate this term, but the term goon came in was probably right around here in the flyers. I'm sure that's, if I had to take a wild guess. Um, so it's just, they, they went so over the top and I don't think they even knew that they would do this, but like you said, it literally changed the entire league and changed the world of hockey up until pretty, what, maybe the last 10 years that entire enforcer era lasted. And so it's, to me, it's one of the most important, I guess, stories in hockey history, honestly. Uh, and I'm not just saying that just because I'm a fight fan or an enforcer fan. That's part of it. Yes. But at the same time, it literally changed the game and the the way everybody watched it and the way teams built themselves because they always made sure after that after dealing with the flyers every team up until about the 90s they had those those two three or uh four guys and then of course getting getting closer to the 90s is when they started going down from four to three and then from three to two and then i'd say probably up until mm, late 90s early 2000s teams probably still had like they wouldn't be stacked with like uh with like you know schultz dupont and kelly it would be guys who were they'd have like you know one maybe two heavyweights 
and then they'd have a few middleweights who could probably be like more so third liners over fourth line, but they could handle their own. Um, and that's when I think is, you know, that those late eighties, early nineties games is when people started realizing it kind of be almost used more than just, um, just as a sense of intimidation or, um, you know, getting pissed off at one another and just retribution. I think that's when fighting really started. People started realizing you can kind of use it as almost energy or momentum. And people like to think that momentum doesn't actually exist in a hockey game, but it's, it's funny. Even, even today you'll say that and everybody, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just a, you know, a caveman or a knuckle drag or whatever. And then what do all the players tell you? You had Drew Doughty come out this year and say how much uh, he appreciates fighting and why it should stay in the game. And then you hear guys talk about, oh, well, we really got going after after so-and-so got in a fight. And that's when I think it started kind of happening. And um, I, I hate this word, too. God, there's so many words that have been used now that I just can't stand to use. But the staged fight, per se, was it kind of started happening in those late 80s, early 90s-ish. Um because they they realized it could be used as, you know, kind of energy to get the team going. So that's when I guess that started happening. But another factor that kind of played into that was, of course, the instigator rule. And that came out in 92. And that was a big thing. And in a way, honestly, the, the beginning of the end of the enforcer, I guess. But at the same time, it was still more tolerated. They added more and more rules as, as we go down the line here that people will kind of realize and... Uh, see why enforcers aren't really a thing anymore. But um, once the instigator rule came out, guys more so did the staged fight because, and again, I hate using that term, I'll say like a ranger where they, you know, they might talk about it or, you know, hey, you want to go? Yeah, let's go. And it's it's not really over anything. It's just because they have to do that. Uh, you have to kind of agree to it because you don't want to put your team down for an extra two or an extra five, whatever it was, uh, for instigating. Or I was I think it's a misconduct actually now that I think about it. Maybe in today's game. I I've got it so mixed up now because they've just neutered fighting altogether. So they've <laughs> made so many changes to it. But um so that's where that's where people don't realize why those planned or arranged fights would kind of happen. It was it was simply because you don't want to put your team down. You're gonna make rules, player ever what what are what happens when people make rules? They're always broken. It's just how it it's just how it goes. So you want to make these rules, we're gonna find a way around it a little bit. And I don't really think they enforce the instigator really that much until probably the two thousands, if we're being honest. Um But yeah, it was just basically that was where fighting kind of started getting really it was you were diving way deeper into it than just um, intimidation or retribution. It was a momentum swing, whether your team was down or your team was up and, you know, you want to send a message to the boys and say, Hey, like, let's get back in the game or whatever the case may be. Um, it just kind of became, it, it, it's just the evolution of fighting. It became a different animal almost. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the people who claim that, momentum isn't a thing first like i cannot listen to 99 percent of the people on this planet because nobody and i'm not saying that i know what i'm talking about but these people don't know what they're talking about the the people that i'm going to listen to and take seriously are the ones on the ice playing the game who have all of these accolades and they're playing at the highest level. 
those are the people that I take seriously. And like you said, you've got the Drew Dowdies who who uh, say that after such and such got in a fight, it really sparked us. Even down to the lowest level, and I know you play rec league as well, like even down to the, the lowest level where we play just a bunch of fat drunks, you start pushing somebody around and it kind of, it, it gathers a crowd on the ice. Even something as simple as that can charge up a team. I can't tell you how many times that I have been in in an arena and after a fight goes off, not only is every fan in that building just screaming and, and everything is just pulsing and it's electric, but the, the, the players are ready to go too. And, and, and to say that, that that is not a thing to me is just is really willful ignorance um, because I have seen teams down get into a fight and then rally and win the game. And then everybody credits that fight as the turning point. There are turning points in war, you know, certain battles that are fought to become turning points in a war. And isn't hockey just a miniaturized microcosm of, of a war? I mean, it, it's kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like football, you know, the, the very, uh, very similar war analogies can be made to that a good play here or, 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 or something like that. And, and for, for, for it to be outright dismissed, I think, is what, what makes me, what peeves me most of all, um, is the people who've been watching hockey for just a couple seasons and, and they didn't really grow up on fighting. Just having them dismiss it outright, um, I think that's what is most obnoxious to me. I'm getting pretty far off the point, but... Um, but anyway, you see, you see where I'm going. <laughs> right. And yeah, man, it's... It's funny how it happens like that. Um, just the other day, we were, I forget what, what the post was, and somebody was going off about how, oh, I used to kid myself and say fighting mattered, but at the end of the day, I just like seeing two guys fight. And I literally post a clip of Aginla, Jerome Aginla, one of the greatest you know power forwards to ever play the game, um, talking about how how much he appreciated the guys he had on the bench with him. And the guy goes, oh, well, see, he just said it's just for energy. And I'm like, no, that's not the point. Uh, I was like, you're you're driving home a narrative that's not there. You know, he literally, (laughs) Aginla, Jerome Aginla, just said how much he appreciated having those kind of guys watch his back when hockey was rougher. And Aginla will even say that. You can, people out there listening, you can go look this up. Um, It's... I'm not sure what it'd be. I think it, it was one of his speeches he just recently had with Calgary. And he literally appreciates guys like Chris Simon, Sandy McCarthy, and Brian McGratton. But even then, and then the guy's like, oh, well, no, he just said it's for momentum and it's just energy. And I'm like, well, then why did Wayne Gretzky want to, you know, <laughs> why, why did he want to bring Marty McSorley with him to the LA Kings when he got traded? Right. That was that was a stipulation, non-negotiable, for that trade 
Right. Like, well, are we just are we supposed to believe that all of these people, all of these professional players, are just idiots? Like, like, like what would, what would they have lying about them it? Seriously. Right. Yeah. Are they all just lying about? And like, and you're you're a Tampa guy. You're a Lightning fan. The the fight between Vinny LeCavalier and Jerome McGinley in the 2004 Cup Final. So, like, everybody credits that fight as the turning point for the Lightning, who ultimately won the Cup. Absolutely. And you even like, look at the well, bench. And you see Tortorella. Torch is fired up about it. Like you, like even your coach is saying, you know, f yeah, we're we're into this, and let let's f and go, boys. Like you know, he's clapping it, and even the boys are loving it. And it's funny because you hear, um, I forget which one it was, whether it was Gary Thorne or Bill Clement, uh, and one of them's like, well, I'm not sure that's who the Lightning went fighting. And they're kind of like, you know, uh, like, I don't know. Of course, understandable. It's Vinny LeCavalier. He's a goal scorer. Do you really want him fighting? And then it pans over to the bench and you see Torts like, let's effing go. Like, effing right, boys, and everything like that. And the, the whole bench is just electric. And right, he, because when it is somebody like that, that shows you that, that you're all in. Everybody is buying in to the team concept and... I don't care if I'm a goal scorer. I'm going to I'm going to throw some punches because that's what my team needs right now. Exactly. So to say that all of these people throughout the entire history of hockey were just wrong is insane to me. If if you don't like fighting, fine. But to say that to say that you've got the answers and and all of these people who came before you who actually played the game are completely wrong is just nonsense to me. It is, and I, I, I just, I can't grasp, <laughs> grasp, I can't grasp, like, people saying that, it's, it's, like, the facts are right there, I don't know what, I don't know how much more black and white I gotta make it for you, and then I say, you know, you come back, and I say the thing about Gretzky, and then he's like, oh, well, that's just because Gretzky was so fast, and couldn't be touched, really? Because there was one time he got caught, and there was, it was the only, pretty much the only time I ever, you've ever seen Gretzky get drilled, and it's right there at the blue line, and the name who did it is escaping me right now, but retribution was was had for it. There was intimidation. And yes, every team had enforcers, but it was between the enforcers, and they would almost talk it out to where you'd say, all right, boys, enough is enough if you're going to keep going. And I, the way Tony Twist says it is the best. Like, let's say somebody takes liberties with, with Brett Hall, and I believe he was talking about it against the Red Wings or something. Somebody had taken liberties with Hull. And so... He goes up and Kosher saying like, "Oh, fight me!" He's like, "I'm not fighting you." He's like, "No." He's like, "That doesn't do anything." He's like, "If you're gonna, if your guys gonna keep messing around with our star player, Brett Hall, I'm gonna go after Eisman. I'm gonna two hand him right in the legs right here." And Kosher's like, "You know, come on, man. You, you know, just come on, don't do that." And they're trying to. And then what does Twist do? Two hands him right in the legs. Him and Kosher fight. End of story. Calm game right after that. It's like almost a release, and you need that. And yes, I'm not saying dumb stuff doesn't happen, and enforcers didn't do dumb stuff, or dumb stuff doesn't happen from fights. I'm not that blind or ignorant. Um, but at the same time, it's a release, and it's like a it's like a pressure valve. Pressure keeps building, and then once that fight happens, the game completely calms down, and people fail to realize that for whatever reason. Like even now, like with uh, the you know who was it, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Once those, you know, those couple fights happened after that little rivalry was made, nothing really happened after it. There was the goalie fight, and then after that, it was just a calm game. 
Like all, n- no other crazy things happened, and there was the Cassian and Kachuk saga, I guess you want to call it, that was, eh, <laughs> to put it lightly. Right, yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's it's wild to me that people say that. And when you look at it, though, how many times did uh, did you see Wayne Gretzky or Brett Hall get hit? How many times, honestly? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the guy you were looking for who hit Gretzky was uh, Bill McCreary Jr. That's who it was. And, uh, you know, like you said, people, people who lay those hits are, are dealt with, but you know, anymore, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like that's, I think that's how you, you get these, these crazy injuries, people, people running around knowing that there are no longer consequences. Right. And yeah, well, I think Kelly Chase said it best, too. And he's talking about uh, I think it was an Ice Guardians. It was either an Ice Guardians or I think his Spit and Chicklets interview. And he's going on about, you know, kind of the role. And he's like, I didn't run it, Steve Eisenman. And he's like, he's like, I it's not because I was going to get suspended. He's like, I knew what the fine was. And he goes, the fine was Bob Probert and Joey Kosher. And having literally those two guys just sitting them on the bench, you it, it changes the entire complexity of the game because everyone is more timid to do do stuff to the star players because they know what's going to happen. Like, And again, well, that's where Tony Twist comes in and says, oh, you can do something, but I'm not going to go after you. I'm going to go after your star player. And it just becomes that game within the game that I think people fail to grasp a lot of the time. And of course... Yeah, and the, you know, the, the, uh, the analogy that I've used um, before uh, is... You know these these heavyweights, the the Proberts, the Koshers, just sitting on the bench, not even on the ice. It's it's a deterrent from messing with the good players. It's it's the reason that police officers stake out a spot in the in the median so that they're visible and they don't have to pull you over. So that you see them, you go, oh, crap, you let off the gas and press the brake. And unless you're going 100 miles an hour, chances are they're not going to pull you over. They're there to deter you from speeding. Now, if they have to pull you over, they're going to pull you over. If Bob Probert needs to kick your ass, he's going to kick your ass. (laughs) But when you see him sitting on the bench and you're like, oh, that's the penalty, Maybe, maybe I'll think twice about what I'm going to do. That's such a great analogy. I've never thought about it like that, but it's so true. And a lot of the times, uh, you know, I've got, I've, I've got buddies who after the Marines, of course, they went on to be police officers or uh, I got one who's a state trooper out in Utah. And most of the time when they're sitting there in the media and they're, they're not running radar. They're just there. Like you said, to literally deter somebody. Now, again, if somebody's going really excessive, like, you know, it's a seven, it's a 70 mile per hour zone. You want to go one Oh five. Well, stuff just got real. And so now we're going to go ahead and pull you over. It's the same thing. You can do the little stuff, but you look at, you know, you look at a cop and you're going 80. Oh, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to get down to about 72 here. Cause it's a 70. It's the same thing. You look at an enforcer on the bench. Oh, I'm getting out of hand. Bob Probert's giving me the daggers. Let me, let me calm it down. Are you, you want to do one Oh five Bob Probert will show you one Oh five real quick, you know, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's to say that it doesn't, 
that enforcers didn't matter or it was just there for entertainment. Yes, it was there for entertainment, of course. The NHL marketed it for years. And that's another thing. They we'll get still into do. Later. Yeah, they still do. Exactly. Well, you know what? We'll get into it right now. Who cares? <laughs> um, and yeah, if you notice, the NHL still markets it. And it's because it's the fans love it and they know it. And I, I just don't like the fact that the NHL does it and they don't. Their game now, their product is nothing like it. I can't stand that aspect of the NHL. And I can go off on a tangent for the next 30 minutes on that. Um, but there's a reason they still market it. And again, I I actually thoroughly enjoyed the Lightning versus Bruins game the other night. We had we had a guy's night over here at the apartment. And every, my it was my father-in-law, brother-in-law, my dad. And they're... My dad's an all right hockey fan. You know, he kind of he, he really enjoys going to the games. And so I was like, you know what? We'll cook ribs and we'll, we'll have everybody over for the lightning game. And I'm kind of like, you know, eh, I, I don't really watch anymore. This is, I think that was the second game I watched on TV all year. And actually, we were we were all into it. All of us were sitting there yelling and everything like that. Why? Because it's it's emotion. There's emotion in the game. And that's why the NHL still markets it, because it wants it wants people to come because that's what people want is that emotion, the fighting. Um, and I'm not saying people want just fighting. If you want that, go watch the LNH. You know, like it, they made an entire league for it, and I just covered it in a two-part special. So <laughs> go go watch that league if you want. If you just want fighting, but that's what makes hockey so so different from all the rest. There's that emotion. There's that high octane feel. And when you're at a game and you actually start, you know, you witness a fight, or even watching it on TV, like a really good one, or you know, stuff's getting getting pre- pretty crazy you start getting those goosebumps and your hair starts standing up and it's a weird feeling and you can you, you can't describe it to somebody unless they're a hockey fan or you know they're at the game and they've witnessed a fight and know what you're talking about but literally i actually thoroughly enjoyed the game there was good hits and there was great emotion and i think i posted it the other day was it was it a full on line brawl no and was it you know bob probert versus craig cox no but it was just it was just hockey to me that's what hockey is about. It's about that emotion, you know, scoring goals, making saves, throwing hits, and maybe a couple fights. I don't, I don't need to see a fight every game to be pleased. That's it's a very big misconception that people think that you know I I like so much about hockey is just the fighting. No, it's just what I'm so intrigued with about the game. But like you said, the NHL will always market it. They always do. Anytime the Red Wings play the Avalanche, what do you see? Oh, fight night at the Joe. Look at this or. You know, it's funny. Even with the Battle of Alberta clips, you go to like NBC Sports or whatever. What are they showing? They're showing Dave Brown and Tim Hunter fighting each other. You know, old Battle of Alberta footage from the like the 80s and 90s. And there's a reason for it because they know it'll draw a crowd and people love fighting. And you feel uh, it was Jay Baruchel who said it. You feel something from a fight. If you don't like it or you do like it, you still feel something from a fight. And again, from the games I've gone to and all my time of going to hockey games, and I've been to quite a few. When a fight happens, I don't see anybody running for the exit, shrieking in horror. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of a phrase that I've adopted a little bit um, over over the last few years. You know, I'll say it sarcastically online. You know, the rare fight, and I'll just say, "Oh my gosh, did you see all those people running for for the streets and in just abject fear, like?" people people like it and that's that's what what i don't really understand about about the game today i don't know why hockey can't be both skill and physicality they're 
there is allowed to be a happy medium. Those two are allowed to coexist. It was. It and, was It was called the late 90s and before the 04 lockout. That was the pinnacle of hockey, in my opinion, where it wasn't over the top with fights and it wasn't like European hockey. I'm not saying that. I'm not racist. I don't hate Europeans because this is going to get misconstrued somehow, of course, in today's standards. But just the style of play, like the old, you know, the the North American game of hockey. And that was, that was the pinnacle of hockey. In my opinion, I'm probably biased because that's what I grew up watching. But well, in my that's opinion, when I had the best. Up. That's when I fell in love with hockey. Right. You know, I, um, I'm from Colorado and I grew up on, this is so cliche. And I've said this, I've said this before, how cliche it is, but I grew up on a pond a mile from my house. And I grew up watching the avalanche red wings rivalry. And I liked hockey before that. But it was that rivalry that made me a lifelong fan and made me absolutely love it. And I I don't know why that was the case, but I just I I saw I saw the game for what it was. It was both skill and intense physicality. And I just I absolutely fell in love with it. And when those two teams played each other, I loved it because there was no team I hated more than the Red Wings. I loved beating them and I hated losing to them. Uh, it was, if I mean, if honestly, if it were not for that, would I still watch hockey today? Maybe, but I don't know that I would be as into it as I have been forever. Right. I'll, well, and I'll I'll bring up a saying I hear all the time because growing up in Florida, as you can imagine, there was an abundance of hockey fans around me. Um, <laughs> so, one of the sayings I always hear, and it's for people who they know of hockey, they kind of watch it, but they're not big into it. Of course, like you know, you or I. What do they always say? Hey, man, do you like uh, you know? Yes. Hey, do you do you watch hockey at all? Ah, uh, you know, no, I don't really watch hockey, but I think it's cool when they fight. Well, there you go. There's your audience. There's your audience you're drawn in. And it's like fourth line voice says, and as Neanderthal and like methodical as it sounds, red ice sells, and it does. And that'll bring up another point, too, actually going off the cuff here, just thinking about it, because going off of my experience now, I grew up on minor league hockey, which was the old United Hockey League in the UHL, and those those are my yes. listeners know, of course, the Mallards. Yes. Um, and that was... Fighting in hockey was a big reason it succeeded so long, and it still does, of course. Um, but that's because the markets now are kind of solidified, and they know, you know, they know the audience, and they've been around for years. But there was a reason that those old minor leagues thrived in the South, and it's covered in the Tough Guys documentary. And for those out there listening, uh, you can check this out on YouTube. It's literally just called Tough Guys documentary, I think, and it's up, posted up there by Hockey Fights UK. And it's literally about enforcers in in the South, and the old uh, what was that? Was it the old? I think it was the CHL, maybe. Um, I can't quite remember what hockey league it is now. That damn it escapes me. But that's literally a reason that hockey sold so well in the South in the old Western Professional Hockey League. You know that was known as a crazy league in the United League, and we've talked about this on Twitter before. With other people, I, United League, as far as hockey goes, was probably one of, if not the best hockey league out there, because there was there was abundance of toughness and there was an abundance of skill. It was technically, I think, two steps below the NHL at the time. 
So there was it went NHL, AHL, UHL. Um or maybe it was like right on par with ECHL, but they had a little bit more talent in my opinion than the ECHL. So the the United Hockey League, I mean I was so spoiled with it because you got to see a line brawl every once in a while. I mean, hell, the Mallards retired tough guy, Kerry Toporowski's number 77, and they put it in the rafters. Not because, let me tell you, it wasn't because he was scoring goals. (laughs) That's not why. Um, But literally, he meant so much to that franchise. And so that's that's such a big reason. Fighting in hockey is a big reason hockey is what it is today. I'm not saying that in the product, but I'm saying that in the popularity. And I don't think people realize that either. That, that that fighting, whether, again, whether people like it or not, it draws emotion from people. And that gets, well, hey, look at that. The most talked about games. Now I'm thinking about it, of course. Jeez, I got the got the wheels turning. The whiskey's going. We're, we're on a roll here now. Um, so the most talked about games this year and the most viewed videos, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Boston Bruins that just happened and the Battle of Alberta, why were those the most two talked about games over every other game that didn't have fights and brawls like that? Why? Because it's 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 entertaining, and whether the NHL wants to admit it or not, people like it. Right, and of course the NHL, of course, can't. They can't. I guess I don't want to say yeah, they're glorify. in a weird. They're in a weird spot, you know. And I get that. Right. But but to I don't know, man. It's just it's so bait and switchy to me. You you advertise yourself on the the glory days and these guys who who bled for their teams to be just a little bit better you advertise your entire product on this and then when we get there the you know the the longtime fans when we get there we don't see anything resembling that at all and then you you get people like you mentioned before that um, you know, that you've run into people just like my brother who are very fringe hockey fans want to see the fights. I don't really watch hockey, but I love it when there's a fight. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. So we're shown one thing and given another. And and to me, that's that's really, uh, I don't know, man, that's some dirty pool. Right. And uh, I think the biggest thing I don't like about it, like it's one thing, market your thing. You know, market the old games and then have a different product. But the fact is that they'll they'll advertise like what was it? I think the Sabers just had it uh, this year. It was like Rob Ray and Ty Domi night of their yeah. you know, their their like twelve yeah. fight saga. So we're gonna advertise that and and I do I think it's great that they actually appreciated Ray and Domi absolutely. But at the same time, the NHL phase those guys out but they still want to market them and show what a great product it it was i guess or is if they're trying to market it but you wanted to phase those guys out i that's wrong in my opinion i can't stand that that aspect of it yeah we're gonna we're gonna use all this about you to make money but we're not gonna let any of your kind back in exactly (laughs) it's just it's ridiculous um so, and that, that's that's another aspect of, I guess, today's hockey I don't like. Um, but getting back on track a little bit. So, yeah, it was kind of the, the whole aura around fighting is the reason that hockey is so big today. And, again, whether people admit it or not or actually know that or not, it's true because that's how hockey was able to flourish in the South. And, great. Hockey has been in the South for a long time. And again, of course, the hockey purists out there that say it doesn't belong in the South, you're an idiot. Um, 
because <laughs> it's there's a reason it's done so well here. And hey, look at Ottawa, you know. <laughs> so yeah, don't argue me about that. Um, but but it was literally fighting that brought brought you know was it called lay beats fill seats right you know you there's gonna be fights there's gonna <laughs> there's gonna be fans it's just how it is and I'm not, did it work every time no of course not and I'm not saying every game has to have five brawls or anything like that and there was flatter games back then but it's it wasn't kind of the same thing and this the whole decline started after well one the instigator rule and then I I did I did poor research here and I didn't uh I forgot what year it came in, but do you remember what year the salary cap came in? Um, just going. I know. I know. Well, I, <laughs> it, it would. Have, it would have been. It it would have been after uh, the o three o four lockout because that was um, that was one of the things that the uh, the league and the owner owners um, were were demanding. Because they and and I mean they were prepared to sit out as long as possible until the players agreed to a salary cap, right? And, and now, so that's of course, what wiped out that whole season. I'm looking at it now, and I feel like a fool, of course, but that's just because I was so young. I only remember the rule changes because I was I was about I was I think I was seven or eight. I had to have, I would have been eight that summer going into the lockout year. So of course okay. I kind of yeah, and I just looked it up, and it was oh five oh six. So now. You know, look at me doing my great research, real professional over here. Um, so, but at the same time, so there was a couple factors that played into that. And I would say three, three rules, probably one of the biggest factors. Um, we'll say four. So the first one being the salary cap, that was, that was the beginning of the end because the game was kind of getting faster because of the rules in place. So you, you didn't want just some guy who, of course, not knocking the enforcers, not knocking their skills or anything, because, of course, they would dummy me on the ice, not even just in a fight, but just dangle me to pieces and my jock would be in the rafters. But compared to the other talent in the NHL, they weren't up to par, so they couldn't have that set guy on the roster. They couldn't waste cap space on that. And then, two, you had the red line come in, or excuse me, red line taken out. So now you can they allowed two-line passing. So mm-hmm. it became faster. The game's hit a little bit faster now. And then what else happened? Well, we're not going to allow you to hold up your check quite as much. All right. So you got to have a little bit more speed then too. And then also something I don't think people realize either. That's when the, the touch icing came into play as well. So they didn't have, it wasn't the hybrid icing we see today. It was the, the touch icing players literally. And I know some people out there may be listening who've been a fan casually uh, for the last couple of years might be thinking, what are we talking about back in after the lockout, they would ice the puck, but it wasn't the ref wouldn't blow the whistle literally until the opposing team touched the puck uh, in order to get a stoppage in play. So it was called touch icing. And then again, you, you want an icing race, you're, you need a little bit of speed for that. So, and that was kind of the beginning of the end was after the 04 lockout. But aside from the instigator rule, because like I said, the instigator rule, I think even today, unless it's really bad, uh, most of the time, I don't think it really gets called. And then there's sometimes it does get called and you're like, how was that instigating? <laughs> so it's it's a little bit of a gray area, I guess, uh, as far as the instigator rule goes. But literally it was that, that 04, 05 season. Um everything kind of it really started to shift and this was the first time you'd really seen this big shift in hockey 
as far as the fighting and everything, probably since the 70s. Of course, yeah, it started getting specialized, and you didn't have, like, the uh, the four or three or four guys on the bench. It was more so the ones and twos. But at the same time, you know, the game was naturally getting faster. It's just evolution of the game. But this was kind of the really, really the big turning point as far as the decline of enforcers, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think earlier I said that the, the lockout was uh, 03, 04, but that was the last season before the lockout. So uh, so I'm having I'm having the brain farts tonight, too. But um, but yeah, you know, you you start having to work under these these uh, very real restrictions of needing to make the best team that you possibly can. And again, not to diminish skill or anything, but you, you maybe don't li- want a liability. guy who's not as, who's not as fast. Um, or, you know, you, you, if you can get somebody with just a little bit better hands, you're probably going to want to spend the money on that guy. And then before you know it, you've got just really the, the one guy left who can really throw bones. And, uh, and now as far as today goes, I mean, you know, you've, you've got to be a, a Tom Wilson type character who is good enough to play and, completely willing to fight to, to even find any, any semblance of, of a tough guy. Right. And that's where it's just kind of become, I don't, I don't, I don't know where this term came from, but like the prototypical enforcer, I guess it's just, it's a weird term to me. I don't, I personally don't think it makes sense. Um, just cause what an enforcer should be. I, yeah, it is what it is, but it's it's just it's just changed so much and they weren't it started to become they weren't allowed to and that's when they started kind of cracking down on the fighting and then you started having uh like the the other rules come in and i can't remember when this one came in it was a few years back i didn't even look this one up but i just remembered it off the top of my head which is kind of a weird rule as well so if a if kind of a scrum starts down low like in the corner and whistle blows and plays dead you know those guys are, you know, doing whatever, having a scrum. If you're above the circles, you're not allowed. That player is not allowed to come down and get in the fray and get in the mix with everything. And I think that's a little, you know. Yeah, uh, the uh, the third man in. Yeah, it'd be it'd be technically the third man in, I guess, would be the rule. And then, but that's just that's just a weird rule because you'd almost think it'd fall under the category of instigating as well. But at the same time, it's so you expect this player who's at the top of the circle, let's say he sees his star player getting dummied and, you know, the linesmen are preoccupied and he's just getting pumped. You expect that guy to kind of sit there and not do anything. It just, it conflicts with itself, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think when it comes to protecting star players, whether that, you know, like you said earlier, rules, Rules are there, but they're going to be broken. They're they're meant to be broken. Hoking gets called uh, all the time. Hoking, cross checking, slashing, tripping. They're broken. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's why penalties are called because somebody's breaking the rules. Um, but I, you know, you you lay out a scenario like that, and I don't think there's there's any player in the world who Connor McDavid is on your team or Sidney Crosby, and and they're getting 
you know, pummeled or something is not going to step in there. You know, somebody's some rules be damned. Somebody's going to step in. And, right. And it's like, and then when they do, the only problem is that the player will do it, but then they get fined for it. Like Cassian earlier this, uh, this season, that roughing suspension that was a two, was a two to four games or whatever it was on Kachuk. Like really after he, <laughs> He's running around, and you run the guy three times, and were the hits legal? Yeah, they were gray area, uh, but I, in my in my eyes, to me, uh, they looked legal. But at the same time, you're gonna get it's that frontier atmosphere, and it all stems back from exactly what we talked about from the roots of hockey going back into the early 1900s. It's that frontier atmosphere. You're not gonna the ref doesn't want to call it. Okay, I'm gonna take matters into my own hands, and then when he does take matters into his own hands, he gets punished for it. So you. The guys just today, the the game doesn't allow enforcers to enforce. And that's why, you know, people, they'll be like, oh, so you want enforcers to come back? I'm like, yeah, but they're not going to. Like, it's not coming back. I promise you. It's, they're not allowed to enforce anymore. Like, I couldn't even imagine what would happen like when when Bob Prober just even hit Barrasso and knocked the mask off of him. Like, I couldn't imagine what he would get today, you know? Oh, my God. He, he'd be. He'd probably be out of the league. Yeah, Bob all Probert would have been in the league. All of Twitter would be, would be screaming to crucify him on the roof of Joe Lewis. <laughs> right. So enforcers, they're not even allowed to enforce anymore. And I think another another key key thing that happened, of course, was the twenty was it 2014 lockout. That was really the, the last hurrah of the enforcer. That's when kind of John Scott, Brian McGratton, and a couple other guys were still around. And pretty much after that season, the year after that lockout, that was it. It was that was pretty much it. Now I think really honestly, the last true enforcer that would be out there has definitely got to be Ryan Reeves. But even now, he's had to tone it down because if you look at how he re- how he used to play, Reeves is a completely different player now. Of course, he had to evolve with the times, and of course, change his game up to stay in the league. But he he's not allowed to run around and take matters into his own hands anymore because of the rules and now you see star players getting hit all the time and you see liberties being taken and nothing's being done about it and the people wonder why like oh why is this happening the league should do something well the league and the refs they miss stuff they're not going to do anything but when a player tries to do it then all of a sudden the, the player's a bad guy like with whole guy like cassian i think he split split hockey twitter's adams when yeah. when he did that because you had people on his side saying, oh, Kachuk was being an idiot. And then you had people saying Cassian should be burned at the stake. So it, hockey is in that weird spot right now, especially the NHL. It's in that weird spot where they want physicality, but they've almost d- gone overboard on having no physicality. So people want players, the older fans, and I don't even, when I say older fans, I don't even mean fans like us. I'm saying people who have watched the game in maybe the last 10 years not even fans who have watched it their whole life, just the last, we'll say five to 10 years. They all still want that physicality and physical element. And they understand why Cassian's doing that. So they're, you know, Oh, good for Cassian. And then on the other spectrum, you get the people who've just become fans. in let's say the last, you know, two to five years. Well, 
why why is why is Cassian doing that? Oh, you know, Chuck did nothing wrong. Cassian should be suspended. And so, what do you want Cassian to do? You're getting people that you know when he enforces, he's an a hole, and then when he doesn't enforce, he's an a hole. It's the same thing with Lucic. Like Lucic, oh, I feel so bad for that guy this year. He can't catch a break. So obviously, the game has passed him by a little bit, and he's you know he's slower compared to the other players. But the other people are like, why is he out there? Like, you know, oh, well, he's out there to enforce. Why doesn't he enforce? Well, the game doesn't allow him to. And then when he did, and one of the uh, one of the Blue Jackets, uh, I forget his name, of course. Again, sorry, I don't watch the game today. I just kind of watched the highlights. The guy took an extra whack at the goalie, and Lucic just gave him one punch. It, was, it didn't knock him out. The guy played the rest of the game, no concussion, nothing. People wanted Lucic to get like 10 games. So yeah, the that poor was, guy. Uh, that was Cole. That was Cole Sherwood who did that. Yeah. And, so uh, the poor guy, yeah, he can't. Lucic knocked him on his ass. He can't. You, you like? I just feel so bad for Lucic because he enforces, he gets burned at the stake. He doesn't enforce, he gets burned at the stake. So hockey's in that weird spot now, and this is the result. This is what happens when you take too much of the physical play out, and we're left with what we have today with no enforcers left, which. Is it better or worse? That's for, I guess, listeners to decide. Of course, if you're listening to my podcast, then I'm sure we all know where you lie on that. And even on yours, because I know you still always advocate for um, for the tough guys and physical play and hockey. And so this is just what it's come to today. And, you know, it's funny. We timelined it all. And like I said, just going back to the Cassian incident, I guess say incident like it was, you know, Bertuzzi on Steve Moore. Um <laughs> You go back to Cassian, and that was literally just hockey being hockey. From its inception, the f- the frontier atmosphere we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, that was it. And he gets punished for it, so that's just... It's it's a weird spot to me, and that's personally why I don't watch it anymore. It, it is a weird spot, and I got a question for you. How, how much of what is the current NHL product where... You know, these very few remaining tough guys, even willing to do anything, you know, they've all had their wings clipped. Um, the, The product we have before us today, how much of that do you think is a result of these new age fans uh, causing such an uproar? Um, that's, uh, well, there's, I, man, I think there's two factors that play into it. So you got the new age fans, of course. And then that's, that's a big thing. Cause then you get people like Ken Campbell at the hockey news and Damian Cox and James Myrtle. And, uh, what's that other, uh, man, I forget his name, but he's a, a Leafs writer or something, but shocker. It's a Leafs person. No disrespect to the Leafs fans. I just, I kid, um, that's who the league caters to. It's the new age fans and the media, the, the anti fight media or the anti, I don't want to say bully, but anti physical play media. They all, they all write about it. And it's, it's the most ignorant people like, uh, that, that have the most followers. It's crazy. And it was fourth line voice who posted something. He's like, just cause you have a bunch of followers doesn't equal an abundance of hockey knowledge. It's just, it's like, I don't know, it's like sheep that just, you know, they flock to it. And this person, now the people who didn't have a voice before with social media, and that's another thing, I think social media, so I guess three points here. Social media has definitely added, f- like, uh, kerosene to the fire here. 
because everything is blown up now. As soon as a play happens, people are, you know, Twitter fingers are going away and posting about it. And, oh, that play was ridiculous. And, oh, he should be out of the league. Tom Wilson's a goon. And, yeah, Tom Wilson's a big goon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's just that has added fuel to the fire. So, yes, the New Age fans. And, again, now, like I, like we had talked about before, the NHL's in that spot where I think it's – it's kind of realized it's catered a little bit too much to the new age fans. And if you notice, I think the ratings have been up this year. Um, and not in a sense, well, one ratings have been declining and that's been proven, but I had somebody had posted about this in the, the enforcer group the other day, but I think this year there's been, I won't say more fights cause there hasn't been more fights. And I looked up the stats on it, but there's been more emotion, I guess. And uh, over more recent years, like you had the, the stuff go on with Alberta um, between Edmonton and Calgary. You had the Lightning and the Bruins. And then earlier this year, there was something else where the goalies almost went at it. It was Arizona and somebody else. I can't quite remember who. It might have even been Calgary now that I think about it. Um, and so they're, they're, the NHL's in that weird spot. So it's the New Age fans, the New Age media, because now they actually have a voice because they have Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever. And then it's also just the NHL kind of almost having a little bit of an identity crisis. And, of course, uh, just to add another point in there, I also think it's because of the concussion lawsuit coming out and um, everything coming out. And you have guys like Carcillo who do I, I don't know. I agree with his general purpose and, like, the message he's trying to send, but how he goes about it, I don't agree with it all. And a lot of players who I've talked to, uh, I'm not going to say their names. They don't agree with it either. But... That's another reason, like, if you notice the NHL, hell, they used to have, like, top f 10 hits or top 10 fights of the week and stuff like that on the website, on old NHL.com. Oh, yeah. And oh, if yeah. you notice, they don't have that anymore. Or w even when they showed the Lightning and Bruins game highlights on YouTube, and I didn't notice it until somebody said it on, because I, I think I'd watch the highlights again over on, like, a Sportsnet clip, and, like, oh, the NHL didn't even show it. And the NHL, you look at the Bruins and Lightning highlights on the NHL's YouTube, and they don't show any of that, that physical play. But that's because, again they're under some heat because of the concussion lawsuits, which again, it's a whole other thing, but that's another reason I think physical play has gone down and they've really tried to crack down on it. But um, at the same time now, the way I see it, sports are kind of consented assault and it really is. It's true. It's consented assault. And I laugh people who say, Oh, we fought him. He'd be, he'd be jailed in the streets for that. Okay. Well, what about a cross check? What about hitting? Let me go hit somebody into the boards. Let me go hit somebody in the wall while I'm walking down the street. Let me see what that'll get me, you know. So, but we're just gonna isolate the fight yeah. because you don't like it. But the but the where that falls apart is even legally, courts have said that kind of thing is okay precisely because there are penalties in place. Fighting is not allowed in hockey. Right. It is not allowed. That's why there's a penalty. It's like you said, it, it, it's, you know, consenting assault, but that's, that's why there's penalties. People are punished for these things. And you're right. You're not going to, you're not going to try any of this in the street. I'm not going to be walking to work one day and just decide, I don't like the way this guy looks. I'm going to, you know, I'm physically, I couldn't put him into a wall because I'm not big enough, but, like, I'm not going to put somebody into a wall. Like, it's just such a stupid argument. 
It is. And it's, it's, I see it all the time. Like, oh, that's just assault or that's battery. And yeah, okay. Yeah, they, yeah, they all are. Yeah, it's, it's all of it is like go, go walk down the street with the hockey stick. Go cross check somebody in the chest. Tell me, tell me how well that that court uh, trial goes for you. See if they, exactly. they go in favor of you. But oh, but fighting is bad. It's just because they don't like fighting. Um, yeah. So it's just that, and then of course the concussion thing. And um, I'm not blind. I know there's CTE, and I know that happens. But when people kind of bury their head in the sand about it. Um, and even all the players I've had on the podcast, um, they'll tell you what their their concussions are from, and they'll tell you how they're doing post hockey. Because I ask them, and I make sure if they are struggling or something, it's known. I say, "Hey, how, what are you up to after hockey? How are you doing?" Um, so I'm not blind to it. And of course, it, it, does the does the enforcer need to come back? I think, in a sense, yes. But I think every team should have a Tom Wilson, probably. That would probably be that. That's that's today's standard happy medium. Do we need to see the '80s fights again? Eh, I would love it, but I know, given today's age and technology, probably wouldn't be allowed. But at the end of the day, that's why I laugh at with Carcillo, and he says, you know, oh, these players don't know what they're getting into. Really, it's 2020 with all the research out there. You think these players don't know what they're getting into? Really? And and at the same time, nobody's putting a gun to their head. No. Yeah, exactly. The best the best way I can describe it, and I I don't want to sound selfish to bring this to me, but I just like to use my military experience for it. So let's say I join the military and I sign up. Did anybody force me to sign up to join the military? No. All right. So then I go and I'm on patrol somewhere in Iraq or Afghanistan. Something happens and my leg gets blown off. All right, I step on an IED, and I then all of a sudden I t- I want to turn around and sue the government because I'm like I didn't know this could happen to me, really, like that's that's it's like the same thing. Like oh I got into a fight, uh, I got injured, or I got hit behind and I'm injured under the boards, I got a concussion. I'm suing the NHL because I didn't know this could happen. That's that's what I don't like from Carcillo's argument because that's how it makes it, he makes it sound. Oh, they don't. The players don't know what they're getting into. Really? Come on now. Now, the part that I do agree with, and that I think the league was was terrible, and some teams were for hiding this, was a player would get a concussion, and they would kind of just give them smelling salts and send them back out. But at the same time, it was it was the eighties. That was it was almost trivial at the time. Like it was it was kind of taboo to even think about concussions because nobody the research wasn't there for it. It, was, it wasn't even there. It's great that we have the technology now to realize it, but at the same time. Um, I agree on that aspect where if the team or the league is withholding information, absolutely hold them accountable because that's terrible. Um, I, all the guys that are on my podcast who have, you know, they were enforcers. They were in the role. They were, they were there themselves. They'll all tell you, you know, they, they've had concussions from fighting, but more of it has come from getting hit blindsides. And those are, those are still legal. Why, why don't, now, yes, they've done some things to curve that a little bit, like as far as the principal point of contact being the head. But notice how how body checks are still legal, but we're going to curve fighting. But more concussions come from body checks, and all the research is out there for that. All the players will tell you where their concussions come from, but we haven't haven't really done anything to curve that. It's all just the main point of contact can't be the head, which obviously that's a great rule. And honestly, it's just we're not trying to kill people out here because somebody can die. It's just this that's that's sports. It's it's happened in every single sport that's out there. Something crazy has happened to where someone gets paralyzed or something like that. So that part is great, but why haven't we tried to curve that at all when that causes more concussions? A clean check to the head 
or not to the head, excuse me, a clean check to the chest where the head will get whiplash from can still cause a concussion, but it's clean in the rules of hockey, so we haven't done anything for it. Right, and you know, you've you've mentioned the the Ice Guardians documentary a couple of times, and they have a doctor on there say that you can get a concussion from a chest bump with your friend. You know, if you both jump in the air and you bump your chests and your head moves in a certain way, you can get a concussion. And you know, the I don't want to say that the league is is deliberately ignoring these kinds of things, but they uh, they're they're certainly making fighting out to be the biggest villain when I don't think it is. Right, and uh, the unfortunate things happened with Rick Rippin, Wade Belak, and Derek Booger all around the same time, and is it unfortunate what happened? Yes, and you know my condolences to their family even to this day. Um, and that really sparked the really, that was probably when the fighting became really almost like, oh my God, this has got to go away. Cause this is why, well, that was three, three guys. And I'm not trying to downplay their, their deaths or anything, but I don't think people, people just like to highlight the enforcer role. People don't go over and look how many millionaire superstars have gotten on the pass of drug and alcohol as well. People don't talk about that. And it, it's just it's it's just a, a never-ending cycle with this fighting is bad and this is what led them to do it well no what led Derek uh, Bugard to do that was he had a doctor that prescribed him way too much stuff and the opioids and stuff I think that's terrible that's those need to go because opi I mean well it's a crisis in this country now and I'm not even a big um, you know cannabis person or anything like that I haven't smoked in God knows how long probably since high school. So I'm not a big cannabis person at all, but I do think it's a better treatment for these guys. Um, and that's that's another part of the league, too. That's, that's on the league. And this is all the league backpedaling. So it's like uh, you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. So now these things have come out where we're overprescribing painkillers and we're withholding information about concussions. So now they're backpedaling. Oh, well, well look what we're doing. We're being progressive. We're, we're curving fighting. Eh, it's when the when the information's out there that you, the fighting is the least cause of concussions over body checks. Are you really doing anything to curb the concussions? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, it's um, it's just that gray area, and that's what's led to, I guess, where we are now with hockey and no enforcers and fighting at an all-time low. And if it's good for the sport, in your opinion, then by all means, you know, enjoy hockey. Um I don't think it's good for the sport. Not in the sense that, again, I don't need to see a brawl every game or turn it into the LNH, but, you know. Um, right, you know, but you you, you want passion and, and physicality, you know, but that, you know, you don't need to fight every game, but you, you know, you want guys to get angry when the time is right. Right. If you see your team just getting pushed around all night and nothing's happening about it, you're going to get, you're going to get pretty pissed yourself. Like, do you, do you ever wonder, you know, fighting or lack thereof has been at a very minimal level, um, you know, the last number of years, call it five years or whatever. Do you ever wonder how these 
these huge anti-fight people even got into hockey if they they started watching when uh, when it was still around because I I wonder that and yeah this, it's, this is not this this really is not the best analogy it's it's not perfect but um what what kind of music do you listen to I listen to a little bit of everything honestly but my main two would probably be metal and country okay so let's let's go with heavy metal. Okay. What if I came to you and I said, Alec, um, you know, I, uh, I'm really getting into heavy metal, but I really hate when they scream and yell and growl. You would probably <laughs> look at me and say, that is what heavy metal is. Why are you listening to heavy metal? I tell you to go listen to another genre of music, just like the you same people with hockey. You would tell me to listen to something else, right? So why, if these people have such a huge problem with fighting, I've been wondering lately what on earth kept them around, other than I don't know if they were deliberately trying to. <laughs> maybe this just a conspiracy theorist in me. There was this mass movement to get to get fighting out of hockey. But like, I, I wonder what even kept them around if they were so, so against this thing. Right. And I, I laugh at that as well. Like, you know, you get people, Oh, well, this is, we don't need this in the game. And this is so bad for the game. And I can't believe this still happens. And you see them and they've, you know, Oh, you can tell that they just became a fan of like, how long have you been watching the game? Oh, I've been watching for three years. So you willingly got into a sport that you knew had fighting in it, but yet you're going to sit there and tell, tell us the longtime fans that we need to change the sport. So you want us to cater to you. And the sad part is the NHL has, of course, as we've seen, but that just doesn't, it contradicts itself. So you want to get into the sport that we all love, but you want it to change because you don't like something in it. Or they'll always say, I love this answer. Oh, go watch UFC. Go watch boxing. It's not yeah, the same. Well, I, I don't even I don't even understand that argument. Oh, you won't fight it. You like watching fighting? Go watch go watch <clears throat> UFC and boxing. Oh yeah, okay. Like, okay, you don't. So go watch figure skating. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you don't, and it's in the game. All the players want it. All the fans want it. I don't literally it comes out every year. They vote every single year for it. I don't know Dude, why. And it's always it's always like ninety eight, ninety nine percent of people fighter or uh, players, actual players on the teams, still want it. Oh yeah, but somehow somehow they're wrong. Oh, we need to protect the players from themselves. Oh, stop it! Because oh, because they're all so stupid. That oh they yeah, they can't make up their own minds. I've even seen people come back and. I, well, who was it? I can't remember if it was, uh, or of course you know them on Twitter, if it was Knuckle Up Hockey or somebody else. It might yeah. have even been Fourth Line Voice, but somebody comes back and goes, oh, well, and if it was up to, if we left it up to the players, they probably wouldn't even wear helmets. Like, oh, yeah, okay, fastest sport in the world, they're not going to wear helmets. Yeah, makes sense. Which also, by the way, you know, on that kind of, I guess, topic, you know, you want to, you, you think fighting's so bad because it causes so many injuries? Why are we still taking slap shots? Why are we still blocking shots? Those cause more injuries every single year. Not even body checks. This is that we're talking about shots that could potentially go wide and not even hit the net. But we're going to block those and risk, you know, a puck to the head, 
uh, puck to the face, puck to the whatever, breaking legs, arms, ribs. Um, we're going to risk that. But fighting, no, that's consented. Two consenting adults willing to fight, that's a no-no. But we'll continue to block shots and you know injure ourselves that way. That's fine. We're right. Fighting, I mean, no. if, we, if we really want to protect the players from themselves, what we need to do is ban the sport of hockey. It needs to not exist because that's the only way everybody is truly going to be safe. If we're that worried. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I've even thought about this too. Just, just thinking about, you know, cause you, people always come back about the fighting and whatever. If you really wanted to say, if you really cared about head injuries and you really cared about concussions, just make fighting an automatic, I don't know, 25 game suspension. We'll say take out, Take out the hitting, all right? Take out all body contact. Make it like women's hockey tour. Pretty much you can only battle on the boards. And it's funny. Look, there's no fighting and there's no hitting allowed, like open ice checking allowed in women's hockey. But what do you still see them do every once in a while? You still see them they brawl. They still get into it. And exactly. it's great. Exactly. And the fans love it too. But it's it's just hockey. And it's the same way like we talked about earlier with beer league. And I, you know, I'm not trying to hype up my beer league. I'm in like if, the, if league A was top league, I'm in, you know, League Z, all right? So I'm not good at hockey. We'll say it flat out. But even in beer league, no contact. Emotions still run high because it's a fast-paced sport. And again, it all stems back to the frontier atmosphere. Refs miss calls. There's only two refs when we play. So sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands. And, you know, there's scrums that will still happen in beer league. And there's still scrums that happen in no-contact hockey, just like women's hockey league. Hell, even in... um. If you've ever watched it, like sled hockey, you know, when uh, the, the like the Paralympics, they'll still go at yeah. it sometimes. And I mean, because it is a physical, emotional sport and it always has been. I'm doing a big series right now on early 19, 1900s uh, women's hockey. And even those ladies, when everybody was supposed to be all prim and proper, even they got into it. I, I, I've got a story. Um, hopefully two episodes coming out this weekend uh and and in uh the the second of the two there's a little story in there about uh about one team roughing up the other girls team and two of the girls losing teeth <laughs> exactly it's 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 just always going to be there. So for people right. to come it's, in, it's, it's it's in the game's DNA as far as I'm concerned. It is. And so for people to come in and say we should change this no, it's it's not going to change. No matter what you do to the rule book, it won't change. I, I hate to break it to you, and sorry to piss in your Cheerios, but it's not going to change. Sure, maybe fighting will go down if you make it a severe penalty, but I promise you there'll still be you know, maybe five, ten fights a year. I guarantee it. Yeah. So. Yep, and I'm, I'm right there with you. It's just, um, it's like we said, it's just how it is today, and no matter what you do to the sport, there will always be fighting in it or at least some sort of physical emotion that's going to come out because it's a high octane sport. That's, you know, it's just, it's faster than everything else. So things get missed. You're going to take matters into your own hands or you're going to get pissed and stuff's going to happen. I'm not saying you're going to go club a guy like, you know, (laughs) Eddie Shore or whatever. Um, But it's just, it's just how it is. It's, it's hockey. Like you said, it's in the DNA. So, I don't know. The people who want to complain about it, 
go f yourselves. Honestly, it's <laughs> bit, like oh, I could I could just keep going on about this, um, but I mean, I think that pretty much covers it, man. I think that was a that was a pretty good history of fighting in hockey. And yeah, we, that was fun, man. I'm 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 glad we uh, we finally we finally got this covered. Absolutely. Um, now, have you? Uh, have you ever been in a fight yourself uh, in hockey? I have been in one, and it was actually during a pickup game. And, <laughs> um, dude, I was—I think I was 15 or something. And dude had snowed the goalie, like, deliberately. And we had never met, like, the, we were all, it was a pickup game. And none of us really knew each other. We, was, we went out for a stick and puck. And um, we just decided to do a pickup game. And I was like what the hell dude and so ended up dropping the gloves and i hadn't hit my growth spurt yet i'm like 15 i let's see 15 years old i was probably five eight five nine and i want to say maybe like 165 pounds soaking wet and this dude at the time was probably about six one and i don't even think i landed a single punch i got dummied and i had a headache for about Ooh. three days oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> jerseyed me and everything i didn't even it was just oh it was bad <laughs> that's that's fun that's fun what about you have you ever actually been in a fight yourself so now i have described myself uh to uh to there, there's an episode of uh, the biscuit from a good couple years ago where well, I, uh, I, I described myself to William as uh, being basically built like a small girl. <laughs> and that's true. And that's fine. Um, I have been in three hockey fights and I don't consider myself a overly or very aggressive person. Believe it or not. I have won two of those three fights. Well, there you go. <laughs> two for three. That's a good ratio. Yeah. So the, the first one, um, I, I kind of got dumped backwards and, and got mounted, and, and that, was, that wasn't good. But the other two were in the same game immediately followed, like, when I say immediately following, I'm not talking like I got out of the penalty box and got into another one. I'm talking I finished with one guy. Another guy came up to me and had the second one right. I mean, they were seconds apart. And <laughs> it, it, it is it's to this day the weirdest experience I think I've ever had on the ice. And, um, and it was those two that um that I dumped both the guys and it it was it was bizarre beyond all words but th th those are my only uh my only real physical confrontations on on the ice I I really uh I still do really like physical play though like I've always I've always kind of liked wrestling with my older brother and like getting pushed around and pushing other people around and stuff like it's just always been very fun for me, you know, kind of the old boys will be boys thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, I've, I've always just liked that, that physical aspect of the game. Uh, but I never, never really expected that I would be in 
in a number of fights. Right. And sometimes, I mean, things do boil over in beer league. I'm very hesitant to get into a fight, not really because I'm scared, but it's more so because you'll get in our league. If you fight, you're done for the season, like automatically. Oh, you're done. wow. Yeah. Oh, so, that's serious. Oh, yeah. So it's like yeah, if you fight, you are done for the season. Um, and there's because for us, man, it's expensive. It's three hundred twenty five bucks to sign up for a season. So, oh yeah, and I bet you you don't get your money back either. Oh hell no! <laughs> so that's yeah, that's like, uh, that's, that's an investment like, right eh. down the toilet. You so, know, for for the average Joe, then that's a pretty good reason not to not to drop the gloves. Yeah, most of the time it doesn't. Most games are pretty good. Every once in a while, you have someone who's an idiot. The closest I've gotten so far since I've played was um, it was like the last minute of the game, and we were already up. I think we were up five to three, maybe or something like that. Um, the game was pretty much over, and the one guy got mad. I guess that a call didn't go his way, and so how he took it out was he literally like just full on buried our guy like open ice right at the blue line, and it's a no contact league. And so I'm like, dude, seriously, are we doing this right now? So I just went up and I cross checked him in the back, like I, enough to where he went down pretty quick in a hurry. And he looks up at me and I said, dude, are we going to do this right now? Seriously? I was like, I'll do it. But, you know, you're being an idiot. And he's like, oh, well, you know, screw you, blah, blah, blah. They didn't call my penalty. I'm like, so you don't hit our guy, man. And then I was like, whatever. And we ended up just going to the box, of course. Um, two minutes for roughing each. So that was the closest I've got. Cause I'm, I'm very, every bit of me wanted to just start ground and pounding him. Believe me, because he, I mean, just full fledged <laughs> dumped our guy. Um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, that fine is there. And again, you know what? And that's how it is now, especially with like the ECHL and stuff. It's like after you fight ten times, it's a ten game suspension, or it's like a uh, two to three game suspension, and that'll that'll deter fighting. And so guys are able to do more. You know, it goes back to the professional hockey, I guess. I'm not saying I'm professional at all, by no means, but it's the same concept. Well. <coughs> If I fight, I'm out X amount of games. Do I really want to put my team down that spot? No, I can't. So guys are going to get away with it. So same kind of yeah. concept. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, um, getting getting booted from the league for the season, man, that's uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. No, I don't really want to do that, especially you know, like I said, 325 bucks. It's not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not what you'd call uh, Mr. Monopoly. So that's not. <laughs> it's not yeah, just and, laying yeah, around man, on the and, couch. And, and, not not many are and uh and to 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 go right to your point about putting your team in a bad spot uh several years ago we had a goalie who was like a legit hothead i mean he was he was borderline unhinged and he ended up getting kicked out just kicked out and i mean it's beer league it's not like we we roll with a backup goalie so he gets kicked out and then for and it was early in the season man it was probably god like the fourth game and you played 12 or so games so we had to scramble for the rest of the season trying to figure out who who's going to be our goalie and uh man that is not a good place to be in no not at all um <laughs> yeah so things don't really get boiled over every once in a while you'll have just the occasional guy who takes it over the top and it's like dude it's beer league calm down um, like we, we had one guy before who like, uh, 
like right as the buzzer went, our guy just let a shot go, and it went completely wide, didn't even hit the goalie. And I guess the guy must have thought this was like NHL on the Xbox, and was like, "Oh, you shot it at our goalie. Don't be taking shots at our effing goalie once the buzzer goes." And just like, "Oh, come on, it's beer league. Like none of our shots are going like Chara speed. So relax, man." <laughs> right, and 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 how many of them are even on target? You know, yeah, exactly. I, I I can't tell you how many. I mean, slap shots, wrist shots, anything. I can't, you know, none, nothing I do is on that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, well, man, before we get out of here, I do have to ask you, I want to ask you one question and what's going to turn into five answers. What is your top five favorite enforcers of all time? Could be from any league, doesn't have to necessarily be from the NHL. Oh, man. See this. This is where I'm gonna fail you. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was like, I, I like to do this off the dome from people. I don't like them to prepare about it because me myself, if I prepare for it, I just end up mother effing myself because I'm like, oh, do I really put this guy over this guy? And then I yeah, overthink the oh, list. So I got to oh, do it right off the cuff. Me for a, you're asking me for a, a Mount Rushmore plus one that I just can't. All right. Well, then oh, we'll say boy. we'll say top three. Your top three favorite. No, I'll do five. All right, I'll do all five. Right. Um. I like a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but eh, you know, and I'm I'm going to have to use the, the the word enforcer rather loosely on this list. Um, but people are going to hate me for this one. But I grew up watching him, so uh, and he was you know he was on the Avalanche, so I got to go with uh, Claude Lemieux, even though uh, oh. McCarthy turtled him. Uh, I'm willing to accept that. That's fine. Um, I always liked the way he played um, minus the, you know, minus that, that, that horrific jaw breaking hit. That was pretty awful. Um, I liked uh, John Morasty. Yeah, there you go. Old nasty. Um, I always, I, I never found out if this was true, but I have, I have heard from numerous people that Morasty laughs during fights. Yes, he does. I, oh, I could send as you a clip after this. He's doing it in the KHL. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, like as he's just pumping guys, he's just laughing his balls off. Oh yeah, he'll, he'll um, laugh and he'll smile right in your face as you're. Yeah, as he's either throwing punches or you'll you'll be hitting him in the head. Like actually, the video of the KHL. He um. <laughs> he's he gets I think he takes three. He's smiling the entire time. He takes three punches, laughs at the guy, and then just comes over with an overhand right and pretty much TKOs in one punch. Oh, beautiful. That's fantastic. Um Okay, so Morasty, gotta throw Probert in there just because he's, he's the, the man. Goat. Yep. Yep. Um Always kind of had a thing for uh, for Jared Bowl, even though he was never the best. I did kind of dig him. Um, I can respect that. He was he was kind of he was part of that last last hurrah of enforcers too. He really, he really was, man. And and at the very end, when he was playing for Anaheim, you could see that he was trying to change his game. Um, but it, it, you know, it just either he didn't have enough time or, or whatever. Cause I think that ended up being his last season. I think so too. Um, 
but uh, always kind of dug him. He was he was in that last wave, um, and uh, who else? Man, um, if you don't pick, uh, so I have a pick for you. But if you don't, Uh-oh. if you don't say him, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like, I don't know, I don't know how this gonna be. But all right, go ahead with your fifth guy. Oh boy, I'm, I, I, you got me on the hot seat now. I don't know what to say. Um, man, I, I feel like there is probably an obvious one that I'm missing, but. Mm-mm-mm. What what do you think I should say, and then maybe maybe I can jump on board with that. No 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 no. I, I will oh, give you. It. I will give you my answer after yours. Oh crud. Okay. Um. Man, that last one. Let's see. You know, for as. And we, we talked about him from for as much as um, I didn't like him because he never, you know, played on played on, you know, the, the team that I followed or whatever. Um, a, a, a dude that I respected a lot was Milan Lucic because he just, you know, and like you said, until he got his wings clipped this, this season, he, he just kind of always did what was necessary. Um, but I'm sure I have many regrets about this list. Once I, once I listen <laughs> back to this episode. Um, so yeah, anyway, I turn the floor over to you, sir. I would a hundred and twenty thousand percent thought you would have said Scott Parker. <laughs> as oh, an wow. avalanche See? fan and now, and oh, now i hate man. myself yeah now i go. hate myself i was like man he didn't throw parker in there i was like the sheriff oh man he snubbed him <laughs> yeah now i hate myself and i i have to i, I don't know i'm i'm gonna have to you need to go you crawl need to go, into a corner yeah, i was about to say you need cry. to go hit the bar and just kind of think about your, cho- your I, life I've choices i got beer now. upstairs yeah. it'll be cheaper <laughs> oh man that's that's disgusting I was like, I was thinking, I was like, all right. I was like, well, you didn't say, because I was thinking Peter Worrell or Chris Simon, because of course they're from the Avalanche too. Yeah. And I, you know, and I did Chris Simon too, you know, I, and and I even have, um, maybe I can, I can post a a picture of it, uh, with this episode. I've got a, um, uh, a Parker signed card and it says to Shane, kill them all. And oh, that's fantastic. Like that's just one of my one of my favorite cool little things that I have in my hockey room. And uh I dude, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's too funny. Well, man, it's been it's been a good time. Well, man, we went for an hour and forty over here. I didn't even. Think... Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, it's a good amount of time because well, to my my episodes are run about an hour and a half, two and a half hours, so that's pretty good time. Yeah, that's it's been a while since I've done a done a lengthy one, but usually, uh, you know, you, when I really put in a lot of time, it, it's uh, usually up over an hour. But anywho, uh, yeah, it's a good good conversation, man. I'm I'm really glad we finally pulled this off. Absolutely, man. Me too. Um, you know, and for my listeners out there, uh, where can people find you on social media? 
Um, yeah, I am at, this is Twitter. I am at the HOH pod, T H E H O H P O D. And, um, I, I'm really trying to get better about fan interactions and stuff, listener interactions, whatever you call it. Um, uh, I, I have gotten a lot better with that. Um, but yeah, drop me, uh, drop me a line on there with a, you know, question or comment or hate mail, whatever you want. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I've got, speaking of questions, um, uh, my 100th episode is coming up. So if you have a question about anything at all, hockey related or excuse me, or otherwise drop it in my, uh, my Twitter mailbox there and, um, and I'll get it on the show. Um, I've got a, a small handful of questions so far, always looking for more. So, uh, so drop me a question there. And, uh, also at, on Instagram, um, at the HOH pod, but I literally, the only thing I use Instagram for is to post new episodes. Um, and, uh, and that's it. Yeah. So just Twitter and Instagram, I think. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, there you and, go. Uh, and for, for, People listening on my end, um, where where can they find you? And I'll I'll post uh, all of this in the the show notes. By the way, people, if you don't don't catch it, so. Um, well, for me, on to I, of course, five for fighting. You, you wouldn't think it'd be taken, but it sure enough is. So I I have a couple. I have two different uh, names. So on Twitter, it's five for fighting pod, but the five is the actual number, and then four fighting pod, um, and then. On Instagram, it is it's just five for fighting pod spelled out normally. Um, so, like I said, on Twitter, it's the number five and then four fighting pod. And then, of course, on Facebook, we have the actual uh, Facebook page. Um, so that's just five for fighting podcast. You can look it up in pages, and it should be the first one that comes up. Uh, go ahead and like it, follow it, whatever the case may be. Um, and then, if you if you want to get your daily fix in of hockey fights. Um, and actual like insight from players. I also run a Facebook page or a group rather called best enforcers and hockey fights. And we have actually a lot of former players, even guys we've talked about today, Scott Parker's in it, John Morasti's in it. Um, and a lot of former players are in there. will give insight information on some fan questions every once in a while. They'll post videos or pictures. So, um, it's a good time. If you want to get your fix of hockey fights and, you know, kind of reminisce about the old days, uh, it's there for you. So that's where you can find me and kind of have a little bit of fun as well. Cool. Very cool. All right, man. Well, um, I, uh, I don't have anything else, so I, uh, I guess we can, uh, cut it here absolutely man well i appreciate you taking the time to uh, bs with me for a little bit absolutely and may i say your uh, podcast cover art is fantastic i know uh, some some michelangelo <laughs> really uh really killed <laughs> knocked that one out of the park for me all right buddy well you take it easy and i'll talk to you soon you as well man see you later take care Fire!